This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. Let's continue our Major League Baseball preview and bring in Dave Jagler, play-by-play for the Nats, starting way back in the 26th season with Charlie Slows. You can find him on Twitter at Dave Jagler. Dave, thanks so much for being with us here. Now, the Nats are 251 to win the division, 251 to win the NL. They're 501 to win the World Series. This is not an opportunity for me to, to bag on the Nationals. So let me ask you about this. If you're looking for a positive when it comes to this team, they certainly have plenty of holes. We know that. What's one reason to get excited about when it comes to the upcoming season? Well, I mean, the, the thing I'm most excited about is to see the, the maturation of some of the, the young pitchers. Uh, because when the Nationals were a, were a dominant club and when they won the World Series three years ago, they, they, that was on the back. Well, actually, it's four years ago now. It's the time flies, right? Uh, it, it was on the back of, of starting pitching. That's the formula that they've always had. It was Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin anchoring the top of the rotation. And they hope that they have a young trio now to kind of replicate that mix with the left-hander being Mackenzie Gore, whom was, they acquired in the Juan Soto trade, one of the key pieces at the deadline acquired last year. Uh, Josiah Gray, who was in the big leagues all last season, had some ups and downs uh, now for his second full year in the big leagues. And, and Cade Cavalli, who was their number one draft pick in 2020, he pitched one game in the big leagues last year. So at, at this point, those three guys – are at the, the top of the rotation, and you hope that if they can have a success this year, uh, that that would be a positive step for the organization. All right, so let's talk about the offense, because I think you're absolutely right. Well, I know you're right on some of those young prospects. I'm interested to see how Josiah Gray fares. I know I have, I have taken some strikeout props on him, because you know sometimes he can blow by people. But let's talk about the offense for, this, uh, for a second. Mm-hmm. What do we expect from the run production for the Nats this year? Well, that, that's going to be an issue, honestly. I mean, last year, what, once Soto and, and Josh Bell were traded away, the team provided very little power. Uh, so you're wondering where the home runs are going to come. Uh, and, and Joey Manessis was a guy that was called up at the end of this, you know, at, at the trade deadline, had a terrific last two months of the season. Uh, you know, his, his journey was well chronicled, minor leaguer, his entire career, 30 years old. And burst out of the scene. His OPS is over 900. Can he replicate that now kind of being focused on in the middle of the order? So that's one guy you're hoping that can provide some power. But honestly, it's a team that you don't know where the home runs are going to come. They're going to have to score runs in different ways. Uh, C.J. Abrams, who was another key piece in the Soto trade, you know, gives you some speed. They're hoping he can get on base enough to utilize uh, maybe some of the new rules, the, the chances to, to be more aggressive on the base pass, and to try to manufacture runs. So I, I think offense is you're, you're counting on some guys to have bounce back years. Uh, they signed Dom Smith, who had been non-tendered by the Mets. He's looked really good in, in spring training games. They're hoping the chance to play his natural position of first base every day will kind of unlock what he had in the 2020 season when he looked like he was going to be a, a serious offensive threat. Uh, they, they signed Corey Dickerson, who's a decent hitter, you know, played for the Cardinals last year. So they're, they're kind of counting on guys like that. Uh, Jamer Candelario, tied for the American League lead in doubles in 2021 last year, kind of fell off the cliff. They're counting on guys to, to be bounce-back candidates. So, again, you, you don't have a lot of sure things, but you're hoping that some things work out and you can find a way to, to piece together an offense uh, to at least be competitive. 
We're talking with Dave Jagler, play-by-play for the Nationals, starting in the 2006 season. Find him on Twitter at Dave Jagler. I know you did touch on Steven Strasburg there for a second, and you probably been asked this question again and again and again, but this is a guy who has thrown only 31 and a third innings of the past three seasons. Right now, he's not working out with the team because he continues to have injury problems. It, is he essentially done, or am I being too dramatic here? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to – nobody really knows. I mean, the thoracic outlet uh, syndrome, especially for a pitcher of, of his age, has been in, in some cases, you know, a, kind of a death blow to the career. Now, he is, he's tried. Uh, last year he came back. He went through the whole rehab process, made one start, and then the next uh, couple days later was trying to make his bullpen in between start session and, and couldn't get through that and was done for the rest of the year. And it sounded like, you know, in, in the middle of the offseason, he was trying to ramp it up again and then had to, to back down. So, uh, to me, at this point, anything you can get from Strasburg this season would be a bonus because right now you just you can't count on that. You know, he still has this year and three more years on, on the very large contract that he signed. So, I think there's incentive for, for him and for the organization for, for him to keep trying to uh, to see if he can be productive. But at, at this point, I, I think you're kind of, you'd say anything you can get from him would be a bonus. All right. So the one silver lining for the Nets, I think, you know, coming out of all these trades is they should have gotten some great prospects from a watching perspective. Who do you think is going to be the most electric young guy to watch for the Nets this season? Well, like, like, I mean, I touched on C.J. Abrams. I mean, this, this kid came up last year a couple of weeks after he was traded, and he was making you know, some dazzling defensive plays at shortstop. The Nationals were a very weak defensive team for the first four months of last season. And as soon as Abrams came up, it's like everything clicked into place, and they played much better defense and were a more competitive team. It didn't translate a ton to wins and losses, but it was more watchable baseball. So I think a full year of Abrams at the big league level, this guy's got some serious – uh, you know, range and athletic ability and, and speed on the bases. And, and again, with the new rules, I think that's, that's one of the things Major League Baseball wanted to do, no shifting. So guys can go side to side, make defensive plays, limiting pickoff throws. They want guys to steal bases and, and run. So he's going to be electric. But honestly, guys, the key pieces to that trade are still a couple of years away. Uh, the, the, a young player by the name of James Wood uh, got to play in a big league spring training game against the Yankees. He is built exactly like Aaron Judge. I mean, this kid is 6'7", 240, and can run like the wind. He's got big-time power. Uh, they're excited about the other pieces that they acquired in the trade that you're not going to see this season, and that's James Wood, uh, Robert Hassel, Harleen Susana, who's a, a young pitcher in, in A-ball. So it's not just this season that that, that trade hopefully will pay dividends, but uh, coming forward in, in 2024 and 2025. Dave, when you look at this this Nationals rotation, it was a weak spot last year, but what is the ceiling? Is there a possibility it, it can certainly improve because Josiah Gray has potential. He shows flashes. Patrick Corbin, they signed him that big contract for a reason. You mentioned Cade. So could we see the possibility of this rotation sort of coming together and meeting some of the potential that we thought it was going to have a couple of years ago? Yeah, it's going to be tough to match that, but it, but I think it will improve over last year. I mean, when you talked about the Nationals mm-hmm. struggling last season and winning 55 games, all you have to do is look at the the pitching numbers. I mean, their their starters ERA, the number of innings that they were pitching, were at the bottom of the league, and and that that's the reason. Their bullpen was decent last year. 
but their their bullpen was throwing four or five innings a night. So I, I see improvement in the rotation. Uh, they're trying to get Corbin back on track, getting the pitch down in the zone, mixing in a sinker and a changeup instead of a four-seam slider combination that hasn't really worked the last three years. Uh, they signed Trevor Williams, who was a swing guy for the Mets last year, rotation piece, bullpen. He's going to be in the rotation as a veteran presence. So I think at least on paper going into the season, the rotation should be improved. Now, it's not to the level of, of 2019, not yet. But again, like I said at the start, the hope is that this is a building block year for the young pitchers like Cade Cavalli and Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray. And if they take some lumps this year, that's okay. But get through the season healthy. You kind of learn, learn the big league life. Take some mentorship from the veterans like Williams and Corbin. And in 24-25, maybe these guys can be monsters. Looking at this division, it is extremely tough. The Mets, the Braves, the Phillies. But the good news is you have a schedule change in baseball where no longer are you playing 76 division games, you are playing only 52. How much does this help the Nats? Well, all you have to do is look at their division record. <laughs> it's a big help. But I want to say they went like 3-15 and 15 against the Phillies and the Braves both oh. last year. So, yeah, uh, you know, they won a few games against the Mets, but – yeah, the, the NL East just, just really cleaned their clock last year, and they actually played fairly competitive baseball against the other divisions. So, yeah, that, that's the one thing. You know, the Nationals went from the worst team in baseball in 2009 to winning 98 games in 2012. So that was kind of a three-year uh, turnaround from worst to first in the division. Actually led the league in wins that year, even though they didn't go deep in the postseason. It's going to be a little harder this time around because of what you mentioned. The NL East is a much more challenging division than it was back then because at that point when the Nationals were starting to climb, the Phillies were descending and, and the Mets were not, not competitive. Uh, the Braves were good but about to fall off. I mean, those teams don't, and don't seem to be go, going anywhere for a while. So you're going to have to get, uh, get your ducks in a row and improve very quickly just to compete in your division. Now, you don't necessarily have to finish first anymore because of the extra wild card spots, but uh, the road back in this division is going to be a long climb considering how good the rest of the division is. Dave, just a couple of minutes here, but I had to ask you, I know you're a graduate of Syracuse. It's been a disappointing season for the Orange. Jim Beheim seems to think he's untouchable, but should he be? Well, I mean, it's, you know, that that's an interesting question. It's tough when your name's on the court and you, you've done what he's done, but uh, I'd, I'd like yeah. to see him be able to bow out gracefully. I mean, he, he doesn't have any more sons to coach. So at, at some point, I kind of figure you see a lot of the old guard <laughs> departing because they don't want to deal with the, the transfer portal and the NIL. The one thing, you know, Beheim's got a terrific system that's worked, but it takes a few years for guys to get used to playing in the system with the zone. And he doesn't have a ton of patience for freshmen who don't know how to, how to play in the zone. And the thing about the transfer portal, you basically have to re-recruit these guys every year. If you come in as a freshman and you're not playing, well, then you're going to transfer. So it, it's kind of like they're having to retool the zone defense on the fly every year. So it's tough for him to, to build that camaraderie that, uh, that's been so successful when you have guys that are juniors and seniors and they're able to play his defense well. They're, they're a very weak defensive team, as is shown. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see him, you know, forced out. But you figure at some point here in the next year or two, perhaps, uh, he'll just say, you know what, enough is enough, and uh, I don't want to have to deal with it anymore. I mean, he's obviously given so much to the university, so I I hope this ends well. He does fine work as the play-by-play man for the Washington Nationals and has done so since 2006 as Dave Jagler. Dave, we appreciate the time. Thank you. All right. I enjoyed it. Have a good day. 
For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the Beck QL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.